Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, and be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. It is so good to celebrate Easter with all of you today. My name is Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. I recognize some faces, and I don't recognize others, so that means we have... I have guests here today. Uh, the title of my message is Resurrection Love. We're obviously looking at the end of the Gospel of Luke, but before we dive in, 
Would you do me the pleasure of bowing your heads as I share one more brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. And again, uh, welcome to all in the room here and welcome to all who are joining us online. I'd like to begin by asking everyone this question. When was the last time you blacked out? A couple of weeks ago, my wife Carly and I were encouraged to get the COVID-19 vaccine, given how much we've been ministering together as a ministry or clergy couple. Now, some of you have never had the pleasure of meeting my bride, Carly, so here's a picture of the two of us, and she is a beautiful lady inside and out, and I would not be half the man or leader I am without her. Now, returning to our vaccine story, with the help of a colleague, we were able to secure appointments for our first Moderna shots in Myrtle Beach at the huge convention center. Any of you ever go to the Myrtle Beach Convention Center? No one? I mean, it is enormous. I think it has 8,000 seats, something like that. Well, anyway, Carly's appointment was set for the morning and mine uh, in the afternoon of the same day. And so with hundreds of other individuals, Carly made her way into the convention center to get her vaccine on our vaccination day. And because my appointment was later in the day, I was made to wait outside. And so I waited. And I waited. And I waited. Until finally Carly came outside after an hour, escorted by a nurse. She looked wiped out, but actually in good spirits. And when I said, Carly, what happened? She chuckled and said, I blacked out. You see, Carly hates needles. Can anyone relate to that? She hates needles. I mean, really hates them. And she ended up getting lightheaded and being laid out on the floor in the convention center in Myrtle Beach, in front of hundreds of people, not from the COVID vaccine shot itself, just because she was afraid of the needle. And the reason she could laugh about it is not only was the whole experience comical and embarrassing, but the 70-something-year-old female nurse who coaxed her back to consciousness had done it in a hilarious fashion. She had done it with visions of sand, surf, seashells, and men walking down the beach with abs that are six-packs. True story. So that was her experience of getting the COVID vaccine. So if any of you were at Myrtle Beach a couple of weeks ago and you saw a tall, beautiful, blonde woman go down, it was my wife, Carly. Now, she's okay, 
And just to assure everyone, it wasn't from the COVID vaccine and we had no ill effects from the Moderna shot. Now, as we turn our attention to Easter into the Easter story, we read of another blackout, don't we? We read that not only did the sky turn pitch dark as Jesus was crucified, so did the hearts of Jesus' followers and all who witnessed the event. They were gutted. They were exhausted. And they were confused. And yet just as Carly came through her blackout, we see the followers of Jesus begin to come through their own blackout, except their experience was much more dynamic than Carly's. They came out of their blackout by way of an empty tomb, a supernatural proclamation, a group of faithful women, and Jesus' lead disciple sprinting to view the evidence of the resurrection for himself. Now this leads me to our big idea on this Easter morning, our big takeaway. When the lights go out and despair creeps in, we can turn to the resurrected Jesus and trust in him. We're gonna unpack this through two points, so let's dive in. Point one, when the lights go out and despair creeps in, the passage begins, it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God, saying, Surely this was a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness this saw what took place, they beat their breasts And went away, but all those who knew him, including the women who'd followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. The crucifixion of Jesus has been described as the darkest day in history. Hanging on a cross on a hill called the Skull, Jesus had been an innocent man who had been unjustly accused and convicted of turning on his people by his people. Then he had been mocked, beaten, and murdered in the most painful and humiliating of ways available in the ancient world. There had been no darker way to die. Not only that, even his best friends and followers had abandoned him in the process of his trial and execution. Maybe you've heard this quote, to suffer in life is a given, but to suffer alone is intolerable. And that's what Jesus had to endure. Even Jesus, excuse me, even Peter, his most faithful follower, after saying he would never abandon Jesus, denied him three times. So facing the darkest day, Jesus has had to face the darkness alone. And lastly, as we see in our passage, darkness was not only something that happened to Jesus, it's something that happened over Jesus. In Luke 23, 44 through 45, it says it was about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three. So for three hours, the sun stopped shining. 
Now, if we're not careful, we'll just gloss over this detail, but that would be a mistake. This detail points to the sobering reality of why Jesus actually endured the cross. You see, within the scope of the Old Testament, a dark sky represented God's judgment on evil and the people's resulting mourning. And we see this, for instance, in Exodus, Joel, Amos, and Zephaniah. In fact, listen to these words from Amos chapter 8. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make that time like mourning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. Powerful, right? So what happened at the time of the crucifixion in the sky over Jesus is not a coincidence, according to the biblical witness. It's a prophetic fulfillment. You see it? God centered his judgment and his wrath on one person at one place in one day in history. And this resulted in utter darkness. Isaiah had pointed to this very event some 800 years prior when he wrote this in Isaiah 53. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace uh, was on him, and by his wounds were healed, we read. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And you see, Jesus didn't just face darkness. What this is saying is he faced darkness, Gabby, for you and for me. The pain of it, the weight of it, the isolation of it. And the truth is we all face darkness, don't we? We all face dark moments and dark days when the lights go out and despair creeps in. This past year has been especially challenging, hasn't it? We have all endured disruption, division, and some isolation in certain ways we've never experienced before, all of us have experienced pain or know someone close to us who's experienced pain over the last year. In the case of our family, Carly and I lost a very good friend in the fall and couldn't attend the funeral because of the COVID protocols. And that was painful. Additionally, we've had several family members, excuse me, family members face dire medical emergencies over the past year, even recently, and we couldn't be by their side. Again, painful. How about you? As you reflect on the past year, what pain have you experienced directly or indirectly, or even today, what pain are you carrying with you as you worship with us?
Maybe it's the pain of a confession. Maybe it's the pain of a diagnosis. Maybe it's the pain of a lost job. Maybe it's the pain of a lost loved one. Maybe it's the pain of a broken relationship or the pain of a fading relationship. Recently, a woman in our church wrote these words about facing the pain of losing her mom to the throes of dementia. No matter when or how it happens, losing a parent is hard. Sometimes they die suddenly and unexpectedly, sometimes after an illness. But with dementia, they die in pieces. Some pieces are big, some small. It sometimes happens slowly, sometimes rather quickly, but usually a combination of all of those ways. And caregivers watch helplessly doing what small things we can to smooth the road as the brain fails before the body, launching everyone into some type of foreign territory. Today, my mom asked me, was I your mother? Trying to lighten the moment, I chuckled, you were and you still are. She replied, well, I was trying to remember. I was thinking I had two children, David and Dee Dee. Are you one of those? I'm not going to lie. It stung like a lot. It may be two years before she totally forgets who I am, or it could be two months or two weeks. It's impossible to know, but it's going to stink all we can do is the best we can with each day and wait. And that's so true and it's so hard. You see, we all face darkness. We all face moments when the lights go out and despair creeps in. But Easter weekend reminds us that even in our darkest days, we have hope. If we have Jesus. This leads me to point two. When the lights go out and despair creeps in, we can turn to the resurrected Jesus entrusted him. The passage continues. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again? And then they remembered his words. Now as we look at this passage, excuse me, this part of our passage, I want us to lock in on one word. Can you do that with me? One word. Brandon, you with me? Ray, you with me? One word. And that word is must. As the women find an empty tomb, and they come face to face with two angels. They hear, why do you look for the living among the dead? He, Jesus, is not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you still in Galilee. The Son of Man must 
be delivered over to the hands of sinners, crucified on the third day, be raised again. This word must comes from a Greek word. It's pronounced die. And it means it is necessary. And this word is used over and over in the Gospel of Luke, some 18 times. Thus, what this is making clear is that Jesus did not accidentally go to the cross and to the grave. Rather, Jesus knew all along it was necessary for him to go to the cross and the grave. And why, we ask, and the word, the one word that captures the essence of his mission is this, love. Just listen to these passages. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Now listen to this. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, on the cross, Jesus endured the full wrath of God's judgment, which led to utter darkness. Why? So you and I don't have to. We don't have to face the consequences of our sin. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and granted us forgiveness. Moreover, through the cross and the resurrection, Jesus dealt with the darkness not only behind us, but ahead of us. Death itself. And by rising from the grave, Jesus proved that death and darkness will not win in the end. Love will. Love has conquered the grave. You see, the message of Easter is that Jesus, in obedience to God's eternal plan, endured the deepest darkness to extend the greatest kindness to you and to me. Why, AJ? Because he loves you. Colleen, he loves you. Juliet, he loves you. Taylor, he loves you. Well, how do I know, you ask? We know because of Jesus. There's a children's book. I have it right here. It's called The Monster at the End of the Book. Anyone remember this book? Ever read this book? Anyone? Yes, we've got some young moms like, yeah, I've read it a lot of times. The Monster at the End of this Book, and it stars Grover from Sesame Street. Do you guys remember Grover? Yeah. You see, Grover believes there's a monster at the end of the book, so he does everything imaginable to keep the reader from turning the page. He uses ropes 
to, die, to tie down the page. He uses nails in boards to board up the page. He even uses bricks to build a wall in front of the next page. Why? Because there's a monster he believes at the end of the book. And such is how many of us face life. We're terrified at times to turn the page, especially as we face pain and danger. The losses pile up, the brokenness piles up when we do whatever it takes to numb ourselves or distract ourselves so we don't have to turn the page. But friends, once we understand the death and resurrection of Jesus, we don't have to live like that. For those who trust in Jesus, there's no monster at the end of the book. And there will be no pain. There will only be love. Listen to these words at the end of this book. The Bible. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write these words down, for they are trustworthy and true. Revelations 21, verses 4 and 5. So the question, Ari, is are these words trustworthy and true for you? Friends, do you know how much God loves you? Do you realize what Christ has done for you? Is his hope alive in you today? In the words of Billy Graham, sin is the second most powerful force in the universe for it sent Jesus to the cross And only one force is greater, the love of God. So here's my invitation for all of us today. Friends, trust in the love of God and place your faith in Jesus today. No matter who you are, no matter what you walked in with, God wants you to know and trust and rest in his love, not just looking back, but also looking forward. You see it? Say yes today. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this message of hope. God, I pray that for those who are being called to turn and trust you afresh, I pray that you would do that in hearts right now. Whether you're at home or in the room, If you feel led to place your faith in Jesus, I just invite you to silently say yes. Yes, Jesus. I bring my sin before you. I bring my heart, my life before you. I ask you to forgive me. I thank you for your work on the cross. And I believe that you rose again and offer me everlasting, immeasurable love. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.